This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. One of the most popular Christmas songs that you hear everywhere you go is the most wonderful time of the year. But if I ask 10 people out in the street, if I go out and ask, why is it the most wonderful time of the year, I'm most likely going to get 12 answers. Many so-called progressive churches say that Jesus did not come to deliver us from hell or did not come to take us to heaven. He just came to show us how to live. And I'm going to show you throughout this message how ludicrous that is. So much for teaching us how to live. The cacophony of voices about Jesus is so thoroughly confusing, especially among young people, and I don't blame them for being confused. During this Advent season, I'm going to be doing this series. I'm calling it, it is the most wonderful time of the year, but why? Why it is the most wonderful ever? In fact, I'll tell you, why it's the most wonderful thing that could ever happen to humanity. I'll tell you why Jesus came from heaven. I'm going to tell you why Jesus had to be sinless, contrary to 45% of the so-called evangelicals who say that Jesus sinned. Why Jesus had to go to the cross, and why He had to rise again on the third day, and why it is only in obeying Jesus will you have true peace. The most important evidence about a person is what he says about himself. You see, it doesn't matter what they say about Jesus, and it doesn't matter even what I say about Jesus. What matters is what Jesus says about himself. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus, speaking of himself as the Son of God and the Son of Man, and he said, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. He identified himself, and he gave us the reason why he came to earth. And so much for Jesus teaching us how to live. He said, I came here to teach you how to live. I came to save the lost. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Jesus came to save sinners. See, it's what he says about himself. Jesus came to save sinners. This is the primary reason for His coming. This is the main reason for His coming. This is the overriding reason for His coming. This is the overwhelming reason for His coming. And why He came from heaven is to save sinners. So the question, who are the sinners? Who are the sinners? Every one of us. Every human being that's ever lived. We're all sinners. But only those who admit that they're sinners <laughs> will be saved by Jesus. I am convinced of the fact that in the 21st century Western culture, in the 21st century Western culture, not just in America, but in Europe and Australia, and I keep up with the news globally, <laughs> the only sin, the only sin that our culture condemns is not admitting that sin is sin. Listen to me. Try as they may, they are, will be unable 
to do away with the biblical principle of antithesis. You say, what is that? That is from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time. There were two trees in the garden. One was forbidden, and the other one was allowed. There are two eternal destinies. There are no third, heaven and hell. Jesus said there are two roads, one that is so wide that you says everybody's going to make it in the end. All religions are going to lead to the same place. It's a very wide road, and it leads to hell. But there is a very narrow road that's only Jesus, Jesus only, and only Jesus, and that leads to heaven. There are two ways, God's way, man's way. People either saved or lost. There is not in between. People either belong to God or they belong to Satan. Moses said to God's people, he said, choose this day a blessing or a curse. There is light and there is darkness. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of Satan. There is love and there is hate disguised as love. And beloved, that is why Jesus came from heaven. That's why he came from heaven. That's why we celebrate the Advent season to prepare for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why it is not only the most wonderful time of the year, it is the greatest time of life. It is the most wonderful news could ever be announced to humanity. But there's more. There's more. The true Christian life is the most wonderful life. It's the most wonderful life that could be lived. Regardless of the pain and the suffering and the issues that we deal with in life, it can be the most wonderful time of life. Here on earth and all of eternity in heaven, Jesus said of himself, the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. Jesus came to save sinners. Question, did Jesus come to show us how to live? Well, sure, but that's half-truth. It's half-truth. Do you know that half-truth is worse than falsehood? It really is much more dangerous, much more dangerous. He shows us how to live, but only after he takes away our sin. Uh, He shows us how to live, but only after we repent of our sins and receive him as our only Savior. He shows us how to live, but only after he presides over our lives as the master and the Lord of our lives. Imagine with me. Imagine a large group of medical experts from around the world having a global convention. I mean, these are the who's who in the medical world, and they gather at this convention, and in the convention they are discussing the changing of the name cancer. We're not going to call it cancer anymore. We're just going to call it some natural growing cells. You say, well, Michael, that is ludicrous. (laughs) But why? Why is it ludicrous? Because cancer is offensive. Cancer stigmatizes. Cancer is negative. The same thing about sin. The reason they want to outlaw the word and they don't want to use the word, they want to eliminate it from their vocabulary, is indeed not only scandalous, it's suicide. For it communicates the urgency to deal with sin. And thank God He sent 
His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on that first Christmas so that He may bring us the only cure known to man for sin. Only cure for our miserable condition. A condition by which we all born. We all born with it. We all born with it. Question, why Jesus came only to save the lost? Ah, because while every human being that is born of a woman, born with sin nature, because while every human being that was born with the inclination to be independent of the Creator, because while every human being is born with pride and wanting our way, only those who recognize that's in nature. Other ones were lost. When Jesus said, I did not come to the healthy, physician did not come to, he came for the sick, you don't understand. This is, this is a sense of humor. This is Hebrew sense of humor. He was making fun of the Pharisees because nobody is healthy. Everyone is sick. Everyone needs the great physician. But the Pharisees didn't think he, they need him. He said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Had at it. And that's what the Bible called the original sin that we all inherited from our first parents. It is the root of sin. Listen to me. Reforming the root of sin is an impossibility. They've tried and failed through the years. Improving the root of sin is an impossibility. Denying the root of sin makes it worse. Containing the root of sin will make it go underground. Covering it up makes it go deeper. Why? Because sin has great power. Don't ever underestimate the power of sin. And therefore, sin needs somebody who's far, far, far more powerful than sin to break the grip of sin. The root of sin wants to rule and reign on our hearts. Sin, beloved, listen to me. Sin is not a toy. Sin is a tyrant. Sin has the strength of death, and death is strength. And the power of sin has not changed in all of the thousand years of human history. And that is why the ultimate deception of sin is that we do not call it sin. That's the ultimate deception. Today, as I said, those who call sin, sin are the greatest sinners in the eyes of our culture. But because sin is so powerful, not only a more powerful God, and only a more powerful God can break down that power of sin. But there's something else everyone must understand, and especially the younger generation. The younger people, please understand what I'm going to tell you. It's very important. Because the Bible speaks of sin in the singular and sins in the plural. And if you ever confuse me, I'm going to clear that confusion, okay? Sin in the singular is the principle. I am the captain of my ship. I'm the master of my life. I know what's best for me. Beloved, listen to me. That is why abortion, abortion, which is murder, is bloodshed, 
is not called by its real name, that murdering baby in their mother's womb, but it is my right to choose for myself. I don't care how Christian you claim to be. God abhors bloodshed. See, they play up the root of sin. I want to be independent. I'm in charge. But sins in the plural is the acting on that impulse that we have on the inside. Sin in the singular is the root of the tree. Sins in the plural is the fruit on that tree. Sin in the singular is a disposition which we're all born. But sins in the plural is the acting on that disposition. But here's the good news. Here's the great news. Here's the most fantastic news of all. Jesus came from heaven to take away both the root and the fruit of sin. Jesus came from heaven to take sin in the singular and sins in the plural, all together. Take them away. Jesus came from heaven to destroy both the root and the fruit. Jesus came from heaven to set us free and give us power over sin. And that is why the most wonderful time of the year is the most wonderful time of your life and my life. The reason we rejoice at Christmas time is because the power of sin has been broken. The reason we celebrate is not so the economy can do better and we have a Black Friday and a Cyber Monday and, and all this stuff, which is fine. But no, we celebrate because Jesus came to set us free from the slavery of sin. Amen. Amen. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Listen to me. Anyone who chooses to accept his salvation will be set free. It doesn't mean you're never going to sin, but boy, you will not be able to stand it. When we acknowledge our sin, when we confess our sin, when we repent of our sin, then and only then we receive the power of God over sin. And that is why this is the greatest news of all. It's the greatest news of all. Those who say Jesus came to show us how to live, I say, Jesus was sinless. Try to show me how you're going to do that. <laughs> they missed the whole point. It's like somebody drowning in, in quicksand. And then somebody walking by and they say, hey, help me. I said, okay, do what I do. Start walking. Lift up your feet. Keep walking. How can I walk? I'm drowning. How can I walk? Follow Jesus? Show us how to live? It's ludicrous until you get him out of that quicksand and help him to walk. Man is in trouble. The woman is in trouble. Without the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, it is impossible to live like Christ. And that is why the same Apostle John who said that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, he also said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we're a bunch of liars. Well, it's a use of translation, but really more accurate. <laughs> Do you know the worst lie of all? The worst lie of all is when we lie to ourselves. I've actually met people who are capable of lying to themselves. It's the most distressing thing you can ever imagine. Ah, uh, 
John goes on to say, but if we confess, if we confess. Now, remember, John leaned on Jesus' shoulder. He said, Jesus came to deliver us from sin. In Him, there is no sin. In Him, there is no sin. Only a sinless God-man can give us power over sin. Listen to me. God created us. He created us never to experience true peace until we come to Him confessing our sins and receiving forgiveness that can only come from His cross. Others, in effort to calm their burning conscience, they will do anything to make sin acceptable. But (laughs) those who have confessed their sins, those who have accepted God's only remedy to sin, those who have accepted the blood of Jesus Christ as their only plea, they are the ones who have been eternally forgiven and at peace with God. And they, with God's power, endeavor to live like Christ every day. It's a process, like Christ every day. But they don't do it with their own strength. They do it with His strength. Try to hack it by your uh, one day, uh, one hour. <laughs> I've tried. I've failed. And they will go on doing good and serving and giving and do. They will serve and they will give not out of duty, but out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving. Jesus came from heaven to deliver us from sin and the power of sin and the punishment of sin. Forty-five percent of so-called evangelicals say that Jesus sinned. I don't know even why they call themselves that, but that's just the ludicrousness in which we live today. But why? Well, number one, they're sitting under false preachers for so long, and they're hearing that junk coming out of pulpits. But you see, they want to lower the bar. They want to lower the bar. They don't want to acknowledge their own sin, so they drag Jesus into the mud. (laughs) They want to rationalize and make their sin acceptable. So they have the temerity, the tenacity to change the Word of God, to twist the truth of the Word of God. Now, for those of us who have experienced the peace of God and have peace with God, our greatest gift that we can give someone at this season of Advent and Christmas, their greatest gift is to tell them that Jesus will set them free from sin. They don't have to rationalize it. They don't have to explain it. They don't have to twist all the gun to pretzels. He can set them free from the power of sin, that they will not only find peace with God, but they'll have peace with themselves. That peace cannot be found in a church. Did you get that? It cannot be found through a pastor or a preacher. It cannot be found through a pope or a bishop. It cannot be found only the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for our sins can truly, truly set us free. And they will not find peace if they try to do good 24-7. Ah, but after experiencing the peace of God through His power over sin, then and only then, they will do great things for God. They will do great things in the name of God, out of gratitude, 
out of thanksgiving for that salvation. Now, beloved, as I conclude, I want you to know that I know that the natural mind has a very hard time realizing or even accepting that this God-man Jesus, sinless, perfect, take away my sin. And the reason I know this is because I was there. That's why we pray, Lord, open the blind spiritual eyes that are blind. Open them, Lord, so they can see what the natural mind cannot see, cannot understand, cannot comprehend. He wants to take away the root of sin and the fruit of sin. The root of sin is self-determination. I'm in control. I'm not going to surrender to anyone. But the fruit of sin, oh my goodness, there are many. Guilt, addiction, failure, sorrow, heartache, anger, bitterness, lust, jealousy and envy, and pride and fear and worry, distrust, doubt, judgmentalism, self-pity, cold love, deception. It's just a partial list. Oh, there are many other fruit. It's just a partial list. But brothers, sisters, give him all of your sins. For he came to save us from our sins and the power of sin and the punishment of sin. All I want to say is, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. 